Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Thursday, August 10th, 527 a.m. Central Time. Higher trade in the grain markets, just marginally higher here. December corn futures up two and a half at 496 and three quarters. November soybeans up nine at 1317 and a half. December Chicago wheat up one and three quarters at 663 and a half. December Kansas City wheat up four and three quarters at 780 and three quarters. December spring wheat up four and a half at 840. China is in the market for some U.S. soybeans. They are. So USDA reported a flash sale of U.S. soybeans to China on Wednesday. U.S. exporters sold 9 million bushels of soybeans to China for delivery during the next marketing year. Since the beginning of this year, exporters have sold 49 million bushels of soybeans to China through eight flash sales. This is run-of-the-mill business. This is normal stuff that we need to see. Uh, U.S. soybeans are competitive on the export market for a window in, in the post-U.S. harvest time slot. It's probably going to be a shorter window than it typically would be because of these big Brazilian crops. Um, so it's a positive. I, I think that the market probably discounted this to some extent the day before it was reported. Uh, the way that flash sales work is you know, whichever commercial entity here in the United States signed the contract, whether it was ADM or Cargill or Cofco's office in the United States. I mean, that business was done 24 hours before it was reported as a flash sale. So these flash sales guys, the markets typically don't really move on them because like the, the, the big boys who did the business, they knew about it long before we did. But uh, in any case, it's, it's good news. Absolutely. Let's jump to some weather. U.S. weather forecasts are a mixed bag here this morning. Areas of the eastern U.S. Corn Belt, including Indiana, Kentucky, and Ohio, are slated to see heavier rains over the next 10 days relative to areas further west. Central and western areas of the Corn Belt will be drier by comparison. Still, widespread rainfall over the past week should be enough to maintain, uh, maintain crop potential in many areas. Yeah, these rains, the first part of August, first uh, seven, eight days of August, were really, really excellent in terms of of coverage. And no, it was not every inch of the Corn Belt. A lot of areas missed, but but the coverage was good. The amounts were good. We can probably go a little while in some of these areas without a big rain event. And, and it's not like you're not going to see any rain. It's just there are, there are areas that will be drier. Like some of these areas of central Illinois are going to be drier. But you know what? Some of those same areas caught four inches of rain last weekend. Uh, parts of Iowa will be drier. Part of, parts of the plains are going to be drier here. So kind of a mixed bag. But I, I view the weather as kind of kind of a benign deal, mostly because we saw so much rain here like this uh, past weekend, I guess. So if you guys have not already checked out our premium content, you need to do so. Joe, can you tell me about the video you put together yesterday with Matt? Uh, Matt Bennett was out with me yesterday. We did a report preview. We talked about um, the yield estimates for corn and soybeans, which I think are the big ticket items. Uh, we talked about how this could play out in regard to the balance sheet. USDA has some funny ways that they work. Like when they adjust supply, if, if they're going to adjust the crop downward, they may do some things on the demand side of the balance sheet to kind of offset that. We also talked about the basis situation. And uh, in today's video, which will be blasted out about 10 a.m. Central or so, Chris Barron is going to be on with me. We're going to talk about best practices in regard to grain bin usage. There's a lot of things that have changed when it comes to usage of your bins on the farm. Um, interest rates uh, being maybe the biggest one over the last couple of years. If you guys want to see the premium stuff, our email goes out every business day at 5 a.m. Central Time. Uh, there's a new premium video every single business day. Uh, sign up today. Go to standardgrain.com. This is a $50 per month subscription. 
Cancel at any time. No other fee, no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else, guys. Just a ton of info direct from us every single day. U.S. ethanol production declined week over week. Weekly output of 1.02 million barrels was down 4.1% compared to last week and down 2% versus the same week last year. Ethanol stocks were pegged at 22.9 million barrels. The print was down marginally on the week and down 2.2% compared to the same week last year. Implied gasoline demand increased 5.3% compared to last week uh, and was up 9% versus the same week last year. On average, over the last four weeks, implied U.S. gasoline demand has increased 4.6% versus the same period last year. Ethanol production margins are really good. So you've got uh, cheaper corn prices and you've got strong energy markets. So the ethanol market is, is pretty strong. So the margins are good and they're going to get better. If you guys are watching on YouTube, this is a um, like a cash corn curve chart, I guess, from ADM Decatur. And this looks very similar to uh, this kind of mirrors what's going on around the country. So you've got this positive basis situation right now because we're still like in an old crop window yet the July contract is off the board. So they're bidding versus SEP. SEP is kind of a gray area between old crop and new crop. So basis is positive, like in the case of Decatur to the tune of, you know, what, 70 cents or something like that. But this basis situation in all likelihood, this is no guarantee, it's going to collapse and it could collapse very quickly. So if you guys are sitting on old crop corn and it's in the bin and uh, you're looking at, you know, 50, 60, 70 over basis bid, just be aware that you could wake up tomorrow and that could be gone because if your grain buyer, whether it's ethanol or, or the elevator or whoever, if they've got their needs covered uh, into harvest, they're not going to pay 70 over for corn. They don't want to. They'd rather pay $4.80 for cash corn, right? So this is, is um, it's not a guarantee, but in all likelihood, um, the basis just collapses into harvest and cash corn gets drastically cheaper. Things could happen on the board, of course. You could see a big board rally. A lot of different things could happen. But just be aware that this cash corn market, which is still uh, excellent historically um, for this time of year or for any time of year, it's it's going to get worse, which is going to be to the benefit of the ethanol producer and uh, to the detriment of, of anybody who's still, uh, who holds old crop corn just a little bit too long. You're kind of playing with fire there, I think. USDA will release its monthly crop production and WASDE report here on Friday. Traders expect the USDA to reduce its estimates for, for this year's U.S. corn and soybean crops. A poll of analysts conducted by Reuters pegged the U.S. national corn yield at 175.5 bushels per acre versus 177.5 last month. The soybean yield is, ex is expected at 51.3 bushels per acre versus 52 last month. Traders will also be on the lookout for changes to the demand side of the U.S. balance sheets in addition to global supply and demand adjustments. This could definitely be a market mover. I mean, we're looking for yield cuts. So if you get the yield cuts and they're as advertised, you get two bushels off corn, you get a uh, half bushel, a bushel off beans. I don't know that that has to rally the market necessarily. Uh, what you'll probably see is USDA cut uh, new crop demand projections in order to kind of offset the supply cuts. So I don't know. You, you could see the yield cuts and not see a rally in the market. That would be my thought. Um, there's going to be some sort of surprise here would be my guess. They lean more on uh, farmer surveys in this report. So um, I don't know. We'll see. The other thing you got to remember is that these rains over the last uh, five or six days probably are not like going to be accounted for in these uh, estimates or in the surveys. So this may be old news by the time you see it. I don't know. We'll see what happens. 
Uh, China's consumer and producer prices have entered deflationary territory. China's consumer prices decreased 0.3% in July from a year earlier. The country's producer price index followed trend and declined for the 10th consecutive month to 4.4%. Excluding one month during the pandemic, consumer and producer prices haven't been in deflation at the same time since 2009. And of course, that was back during the financial crisis. Consumer deflation in July was mostly caused by a sharp decline in food costs from a year earlier. Year over year, pork has declined 26%. Uh, weak, consu weak consumption amid ample supplies also contri contributed to the drop. One analyst out of China said this, the economic momentum continues to weaken due to lackluster domestic demand. The CPI deflation may put more pressure on the government to consider additional fiscal stimulus to mitigate the challenge. Uh, we talked about some bad Chinese economic news yesterday. We're talking about more of it uh, today. USDA, again, is projecting that Chinese corn imports will increase in the new crop marketing year and that soybean imports will be kind of flat year over year. So I don't know if this is necessarily the best sign in regard to uh, U.S. export potential. U.S. consumer inflation likely ticked higher last month. July's CPI is expected to show a yearly increase of 3.3% and a monthly increase of 0.2%. If accurate, July's annual CPI reading would be the slowest annual increase in consumer prices since, um, since March of 2021. As of Monday afternoon, markets were pricing in a roughly 85% chance the Fed would keep rates unchanged at its upcoming meeting in September. However, some economists think the Fed will want to keep their options open and avoid prematurely announcing success. That report will be out here this morning at 7.30 Central Time. Yeah, they can't announce success just yet because they want inflation at 2% and we're looking for 3.3. Um, we're looking for a Fed pause in September. That could change. Uh, if we do get that 3.3 today, that would be the first time you saw an increase versus the prior month in terms of this annualized monthly change. Uh, the, the CPI print has been down every single month since June of last year when we peaked at 9.1%. We were down to three even uh, last month. So we'll see what happens. I mean, an uptick to 3.3 is not the end of the world. A lot of people have talked about rising crude oil and gasoline prices um, as a potential inflationary item, and it is, but you need to see more of it. Gas prices are still down versus a year ago, even though they've increased recently. Uh, AAA said that the current average uh, for the United States yesterday was 383 a gallon. A year ago, we were 401. So gas prices are still down versus a year ago. So it's going to come from uh, some other places. What did the cattle market do yesterday? They had a positive day uh, supported by weaker corn futures and an uptick in wholesale beef prices. Feeders closed, closed an average of 77 cents higher. Live cattle were up an average of 39 cents higher. Cash cattle trade is still uh, non-existent this week. The Packers continue to hold out buying any cattle. Box beef had a positive day yesterday. Choice ended the day at 303.52. That was up a buck 13. Select ended the day at 278.14. That was up 198. Outside markets, U.S. dollars off a little bit. Stock market is higher ahead of this CPI data. The S&P is up 21. Dow Jones up 160. Bonds are flat. Gold's up four bucks. Crude oil down 29 cents at 84.11. Have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you on 